Every once in a while, an inventor catches our eye, someone whose creation seems like it might be tipping us off to a trend and raising questions about how our lives are about to change. One of the ways in which we know things are going to change is that the world's population will grow. Estimates are it's going to get close to 10 billion by 2050. We also know that we're increasingly moving into cities. So most of those almost 10 billion people are going to live in urban areas. Which begs the question, how are we going to feed ourselves? Some experts think, well, we'll need to tap into just about everything in our agricultural arsenal. Like maybe growing produce in tiny, sun-starved apartments. Innovation Hub's senior producer, Elizabeth Ross, takes a look at a technology-based approach to growing produce in the home, which also aims to reconnect people with their food. It's late morning, and everyone is super busy in the prep kitchen of this New York City restaurant, getting meals ready before the lunchtime rush. What are you preparing? Uh, it's for a pear cobbler. There are some incredibly delicious smells emanating from this kitchen, including the aroma of baking bread. But it's what's happening up on a long shelf above the pastry ingredients that really grabs your attention. Tiny seedlings are growing in large pots under a haze of purple, green and white LED lights. We, we essentially are uh, starting the cycle for chervil. Uh, so they're all at, at a very young stage. And uh, these basically just germinated. We took the, the, um, the plastic covers that basically steam and, and allow the moisture to really help them sprout. That's James Kent, a native New Yorker and the chef of Crownshine. Uh, the best new restaurant in all of the land. <laughs> chef Kent has grown all sorts of things in the windowless kitchen of his restaurant, just steps away from Wall Street. We did peppers, we've done tomatoes. So the, for us, the, the, the flowering and fruiting things, it's, it's harder to time with the restaurant. Do you notice a difference in taste between what you're growing with this system and what you're importing from elsewhere? It's really, for me, it's more about the freshness of the product. And that, that is, that's super important for the final taste. Like you cut off the plant, it's crisp, it's hydrated, it's delicious. Whereas you buy a herb, you have to rehydrate it you have to like kind of doctor it up to get it to that point because it was flown in and driven and handled and put in a fridge and sits in a fridge. In the midst of a city he describes as a concrete jungle, Chef Kent has what amounts to a small indoor garden in which he can grow produce year-round without soil or sunlight. It's all thanks to a high-tech automated system developed by Jennifer Farah who says she was sick and tired of the taste of store-bought tomatoes. So I'd go to the grocery store and we'd get tomatoes and they were like mealy and gross tasting. A far cry from what she ate as a kid. I mean, I grew up outside of Detroit. I had a garden in my backyard. We would grow tomatoes during the summer and they were like amazing tomatoes. And for me, that's like what the tomato was and what the taste of a tomato was. Farah is the co-founder and CEO of a startup called Sprouts.io. At the company's office in Cambridge, Massachusetts, she walks me through how the system works. 
Part of the technology that we developed is what we call hybrid hydroculture. So it's actually a mixture between hydroponic growing and aeroponic growing. So hydroponic is when the roots are fully submerged in water and nutrients, and aeroponic is when it's misted with water and nutrients. We do both because different plants actually require different needs and also at different stages of growth. If you sign up for the product, what you get is a large round white planter and attached to it a pole that rises up and arcs over it like a streetlight. Farah says with her system, customers can grow root vegetables leafy greens, herbs and fruiting plants, including tomatoes and eggplants. It uses just 2% of the water that's required for a traditional growing and only half the power of a laptop. You don't need a green thumb, you don't need any land, but you do need a mobile device and Wi-Fi. These plants are under surveillance. You know, we can see camera imagery of your plants. We see sensor data about how your plants are growing. So we're continuously monitoring the plants. Besides a handful of professionals like Chef Kent, Sprouts.io also has around 120 or so customers using the product in their homes. Yes. Including Liamogus Sordovilla, who's growing a matchbox pepper plant in the living room of her small apartment. You can see the white flowers contrasted on the dark green leaves and it actually makes for a beautiful you know house plant as well as an edible plant at this point. Moga Sodavilla, who studied with Farah at MIT, says growing veggies and herbs like basil has been a breeze and really enjoyable for her young family. When we harvest it, normally my, my son cuts it with his little scissors and he, and he chops it. And then, of course, the baby is always is obsessed with basil. So she tries to eat basil all the time. Like, like, I don't know why she's obsessed with these particular basil plants. Not the basil that we buy at the shop, but this one. I guess it has a special sweet taste and then a bit of bitterness. She's quite addicted, actually. She says it even helps at bedtime. The lights self-regulate during the day according to what the plant needs, depending on the stage of growth. And at night they, they turn off. But they do something very fun, about, fun for us. <laughs> Before turning off, they do a bit of a flicker. So by bedtime for my, for my son, it was a kind of a sign of, OK, now the plant is telling us that, that the day is over and we, we are ready, ready for bed. And he had a name for the plant relating to the light, right? Yeah, he called it the light plant. See, la, la planta de luz. The light plant costs almost $800, but Jennifer Farah expects the price to come down. Carrie Mitchell, a professor of horticulture at Purdue University, says he's impressed with the Sprouts.io system, but he thinks in its current form, it'll mostly appeal to consumers with fairly large disposable incomes. It's a convenience product, it's for the young professionals who, who like to exercise and utilize their, uh, their, their computer skills and, and their equipment and uh, who don't really have the time as a hobby to, to do a lot of uh, growing themselves. Mitchell sees Farah's creation, along with other emerging in-home gardening products, as the natural progression of a relatively new approach to growing food. It's uh, completely in keeping with what we call the indoor agriculture movement that's going on in this country, indeed around the world. 
We're moving from food production in the field to the greenhouse, and uh, in more recent years, moving into repurposed warehouses, starting uh, indoor vertical farms, especially in and around urban areas. What's driving this movement? Well, it all comes back to those bad-tasting store-bought tomatoes. There's a real trend toward wanting to get away from long-distance transportation for local production and to have fresh produce and to do it year-round. And the only way to do that locally is indoor. Mitchell explains the problem is that controlled environment agriculture, as it's known, is still a young industry. It's not mature. And for that reason, they don't have all of the answers for productivity and profitability and sustainability. It may just be starting to bloom, but he says the movement is reaping the fruits of others' labours, including space research programmes that he's been involved with for decades. NASA is the agency that first funded uh, research to investigate the use of LED lighting for plants. Mitchell recalls a scene in the movie The Martian, where Matt Damon's character is stranded on Mars, but manages to grow potatoes with the help of composted human waste. Here's the problem. I gotta make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. Turns out the storyline isn't too far from reality. I am the greatest botanist on this planet. In fact, we're already doing um, experiments on the International Space Station and astronauts are picking and eating vegetables there growing uh, up there on a, a plant growth unit called veggie. Back on Earth, Mitchell says he doesn't think traditional farming will be going away anytime soon. But he is excited about the important role he believes indoor growing will play in feeding the world's rapidly expanding population. Still, Julian Adjaman, professor of urban and environmental policy and planning at Tufts University, thinks that to maximise the impact of the indoor growing movement, entrepreneurs should do more to reach out to city dwellers of all incomes and backgrounds. I think the innovators have really got to step outside their own niches, their own reference groups, and really start talking to other people if they want their products to uh, be appealing to a broader cross-section of the public. Until we move away from business model social innovation to innovation that really centres social justice and equity, then we're not going to move these innovations away from that small group of people. As for Jennifer Farah, she dreams of her Wi-Fi-equipped light plant being used in every home in the world. She wants everyone to have better-tasting food and the experience of growing it even in a concrete jungle. For Innovation Hub, I'm Elizabeth Ross. Thanks to the people who helped put together this show. Senior producer Elizabeth Ross, producer Mark Solinger, associate producer Sarah Leeson, and engineer David Goodman. From PRX and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub.